Hi, podcast listeners. It's Gracie. Thanks for coming back to the podcast. I have a conversation today with psychotherapist and coach Lori Beth Goldman. Lori helps people, especially women, to face the things in themselves that they would rather not face. And when I say that, I'm talking about unaddressed trauma. I'm talking about the shadows. I'm talking about all the things that we would rather just eat a bucket of ice cream, watch a season or two of a show, drink a bottle of wine to avoid. And while I know how easy it is to want to avoid these spaces, I also know how hard it is to make any kind of movement forward in our lives if we don't address them. And I know the the necessity of getting support when we are looking into these places. I really admire the work that Lori's doing and how she just so intentionally is turning to face the things that most of us would rather avoid and helping others to do that as well. I think you're going to hear a lot in this conversation that will inspire you to do some deeper digging, the self-care that will help you take care of yourself because when we're touching trauma, more trauma can sometimes come up. It's traumatic to deal with trauma and that's why we really do need self-care and how all of this can help us not only heal our own selves, but provide more of a healing space to the people around us, and then really ultimately help heal the world in the way that the world can be healed. So big stuff and a really interesting, heartening conversation with Lori Beth Goldman. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm here with Lori Beth Goldman. Hi, Lori. Hi. Thanks for being here on the podcast. Mm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm going to start with your bio. So Lori Beth Goldman is a psychotherapist, trauma specialist, somatic intimacy coach who specializes in supporting women and girls to rise from darkness and struggle into their true power, purpose, and passion. Lori's passionate about supporting women and girls to move past chronic suffering, conditioning, and programming that keeps them feeling stuck, disempowered, and caught in life experiences that are either harmful or don't inspire them. She teaches women that their shadow and darkness are their greatest allies in bringing the gift of true power, sovereignty, confidence, deeper embodiment, and unconditional joy. This is one of the most powerful ways that we as women can awaken our soul power, who we truly are and what we are truly here to live through the darkness. I really love that that bio. I feel like it just evoked so much when I read it. So I, um, I'm so curious to hear more. And I'd love to start by hearing more of your personal journey to practice greater self-care in your life, particularly like what motivated you to want to take better care of yourself and what challenges did you encounter along the way? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, um, well, so part of the reason that I do the work that I do with women through going through the darkness and the shadow is because since I was a very young child, I, um, really struggled a lot, um, with depression and anxiety and a lot of, um, nervous system dysregulation and, um, just all kinds of sort of psychic, we could call them psychic, mental and emotional struggles. And so my journey in my life has really been about, um, like I've been on a very huge healing journey and that is the work that I love offering to others. And a big part of that healing journey has been the journey to deeper self care. And the way that I would describe that in my own life is that, um, or in my own journey, we could say, is, um, is, was really about acknowledging my, we could call it my limitations, but obviously as we talk further, I'll show you in this, I mean, I'll probably describe how your darkness and your emotions can actually be this amazing gateway to power and to purpose and to passion. Like, like you said in the bio, um, but really, I would say, like, for me, self-care, I, like, I needed to acknowledge that I needed a lot of self-care in order to be in the world and in order to be able to be with my own emotional, my own emotions and um, all the struggles that have come up for me in my own life. Um, and so... 
yeah, self-care has been a huge part of that journey. I would call that self-care. It is um, similar to how you how you define it, Gracie. You know, as a radical compassion and acceptance, but also um, just like it's also you know um, I have a long-term meditation practice that I've you know been doing for probably 22 years, and um, I spend a lot of time in nature, and I choose to live in a very um, calm environment that really supports my nervous system uh and i've chosen all the work that i've done in the last i would say 10 years has i've set my schedule up in a way that really allows me to have a lot of space and time to go into the inner depths and go into my you know inner world and really care for my body and my mind um in all kinds of ways like through nutrition and also through um you know different self-care practices. Uh, and so to, yeah, so to set up my life in that way so that then I could also serve, um, the, the clients that I serve better because I, what I found, um, especially in my life as a psychotherapist and, you know, now I'm doing that and coaching is that the more I could fill my own cup up and feel really settled and really regulated in myself, um, and really present, the more I can truly be of service and also be present with my clients and show up in a way that um, is both modeling to them exactly, you know, the process of self-care, uh, but also is actually like I'm actually available to do the deep emotional work um, and shadow work that I'm doing with them. I, it's interesting. I've had a few social workers and therapists that I've worked with over the years. And I really admire them because they, they come to me and they're like, I tell my clients to practice self-care and I still don't know what that means. <laughs> and like the <laughs> idea that we can tell people to practice self-care, we can talk about it. But what you're saying that I think is so powerful is that we need to be actually modeling it and showing people what that, what that feels like and what that looks like for us to really be of service to other people as well. Yeah, I love and I love what you're saying because it's both I because of my own journey with self-care which like I it was almost it's it's been a necessity in my life um you know from a fairly young age. Um I mean I would say more in my 20s probably is when I started practicing it. Um but I think I exactly what you're saying. I can both offer I easily offer different practices and different ways that people can be with themselves and I can also talk about it from the lens of you know it's a way of being you know not and then I'm also modeling it like I think that over the years I I've had so many clients be like god you're just so still or you're so you know sort of um you're so present you're so able to be here um, and you're so able to be with everything that's arising, you know, even the darkest, scariest places. So all of that to me is that modeling of self-care. Was there a point in your, your practicing self-care that you were like, wow, I really want to help others to do this too? Um, interesting. I'm thinking about that question. Yes, I, I mean, I don't, I would say that, my, I would say that there was a point very early on where it was obvious to me, I mean, probably in my early 20s, um, that, you know, what I was here to do was to support others to heal um, and to, um, through personal growth or through therapy or, um, and through really deep, you know, somatic and trauma work, um, and that that was my gift and I would say that, um, I don't know, it's an interesting question about self-care. I'm just thinking about the answer. Um, I think it was more like as I went on my own healing journey um, and found like I sort of found self-care on my own, not because, I mean, I love what you're doing because you're sharing it widely with people and also your definition of it um, from what I know is just so vast. It's not, it's not the normal, just like, oh, I'm taking a bath. You know, it's, it is this way of being, it's this way of being with ourselves that's with love and compassion and patience and all these different beautiful qualities that I think I have been 
definitely teaching my clients the whole time. But I would more say like my journey with self-care, there wasn't like a moment. It was more like in my healing journey, it became part of that journey. And then, um, you know, over time, I was just practicing that more and more um, in my life and noticing the difference that it made for me. And then also no difference that I think it also made for my clients, you know. Um, but it's not, it wasn't, in some ways it wasn't like, a, I mean, the journey to healing was conscious, but I don't know if the journey to self-care was conscious. When I look back on it, it was more of just, like I'm saying, you know, it was more of an unfolding that naturally happened um, for me over time as I healed. Totally. Yes. And I, and I feel like those two words can so be used interchangeably too, like self-care and healing. And they, they, it's, they're not exactly the same thing, but they interweave around each other. And I think mm -hmm. as we heal, we just have more access to ourselves and we want to care for ourselves more. And then as we do that, we have more tools that help us to do the work of healing. And, and I want to talk about that because I know that your work focuses on dressing the more challenging aspects of ourselves, as you call it, the darkness. And I know mm -hmm. that for a lot of us, these are the places that we would just rather avoid. And I personally look out at the world and see like, wow, most of us are just kind of avoiding these places in ourselves. So I'd mm -hmm. like you to speak directly to that. Like how can focusing on the hardest things that we've gone through in our lives actually bring more healing and joy to us? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that question. Um, well, I think first and foremost, the way I would answer that is that I really believe that if we're avoiding parts of ourself or they're, if they're left in the shadows, and I've seen this again and again, then we can't truly feel, and which means that we're not truly open to the intimacy that is available in life and to feeling each moment, you know, to moving through the world. And, you know, it's like the example of, um, yeah, moving through the world and really, f you know, feeling all the tastes and the textures and the colors. And um, I often think of an example of, you know, like people who are highly sensitive, they may feel, and I work with a lot of people who are highly sensitive and empaths, they may feel like the depths of really challenging feelings, but they also can feel, you know, they can also sort of see a sunset and be like completely over, you know, sort of... Um, uh, completely just feel all of it in their body. So I think that's like the first way that I would answer that question. Um, is just that I think it gives us a deeper capacity to feel and to be present with all of life. Because if we're avoiding thing, our feelings or experiences that we've had, they still remain, you know, somewhere in our consciousness. And so that means that one, our energy is kind of going into them in order to manage to keep them, keep ourselves from feeling them, which then doesn't give us the potential energy that we have to be in life and to serve life. Um, but it also, it also means that, yeah, I would also say like our true life force is not really able to shine. Um, and we're spending, often people are spending so much time unconsciously kind of keeping it at bay that in order to feel safe and secure. And so we're not, this is where the power piece comes in. Like if we're trying, if we're kind of in a dance of like, oh, I'm trying to manage, I'm trying to control, then we're not actually in our full power and we're not in our full sovereignty, which is like, oh my God, I can feel everything and I can breathe into these feelings. I can learn to be with these feelings. I can learn to, you know, heal old traumas that are causing anxiety, addictions, depression, um, uh, you know, nightmares, um, sleep problems, like all kinds of ways that when we're not really feeling all of our feelings or when we haven't healed, um, you know, core wounds or traumas um, that that, you know, is playing out in symptomology. And then it all, this is a long answer to your question, but I would also say then that it's it it plays out in our um, you know the patterns that we engage in like you know obviously a classic example is like a woman or it could be a woman or a man but you know being in a relationship and or being in chronic relationship after relationship that isn't serving you you know that's coming from a core wound that's coming from a pattern that happened in childhood 
So there's so many, you know, far reaching, I think there's so many far reaching effects. If we, you know, one, don't learn how to feel our feelings fully, and that's part of the process of healing. And if we're, you know, trying to avoid or numb or not deal with what's really there. Yes. I, yeah, I, I love everything you just said. And, and I think it, it can feel a little paradoxical to people that like we have to go through the hard parts to get to the joy. And, and I, I, what I heard in what you said is that you don't have to stay there. Like we have to face it. Yeah. We have to understand yeah. it, but we don't have to live in that hard, hard place. And I think that's like maybe the fear underneath the avoidance that a lot of people go through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say that, but I would also say that one of the, so one of the ways that I work is that I'm, it's like, I work in the body because I think it's not, for many people, it's not just about understanding something intellectually, like, oh, I went through this. It's actually about going into the body and being able to release the, the kind of, like our body carries um, traumas and it carries memories. Um, and also like another way of saying this would be that I really believe that like, for example, when someone's having like a lot of anxious thoughts, let's say around a particular topic or a lot of fearful thoughts, there's often an emotional root. And if we can get to the emotional root in the body and we can, you know, sort of trace it there and really uproot it there, then usually all of those thoughts will release, um, like all the anxiety, all the depression, things like that. Um, so it's, yeah, I think people, I think you're right that people are scared that they're going to have to stay there. Um, I, I mean, in all honesty, I think every person is different and we never know how long the process is going to be. What I see though in my clients is that there's a, the fear is actually, the fear of getting stuck there or the fear of going there is actually way more debilitating and it's a way bigger fear than when you actually start going into it and looking at it in the face, you know, and seeing it completely clearly and working it through, through the body. And the, the type of work that I do is this very intricate and subtle, um, kind of somatic and trauma work where I'm really working with the, the, my client's nervous system. So we're not going in and like overwhelming the system. You know what I mean? Like we're going in and sort of like, I'm, tr I'm, I, I have this particular skill set of understanding how somebody's nervous system works and understanding how trauma works. And so as if someone starts to get overwhelmed, then being able to actually slow it down enough so that people can really start to feel their feelings and that they aren't overwhelming. Cause I think that what so often, you know, in childhood, we, the reason that a lot of these experiences kind of get, got pushed aside is because, or split off is because they weren't acceptable in the environment that we were in. You know, they weren't acceptable to our parents, or at least we internalized that they weren't acceptable. Um, and so, you know, sometimes, yes, it is just seeing it clearly. And sometimes it's actually about rewiring the nervous system or going in there and being able to, you know, like allow people to feel like, oh, it's safe to feel my feelings. Like it's safe to go here um, and I'm not going to get overwhelmed. Or for people, you know, the opposite of that is numbing out and shutting down like we were talking about before. But for those people, I find that often they actually, um, they, they uh, like beneath that, there can be a more dysregulated pattern because they've been controlling, you know, and then we find that their nervous system isn't actually very healthy or with my support, they're able to, we're able to like just go into the feeling and drop out of the mind and into the feeling in the body. And they're able to learn that and over time and, um, like then they're able to feel relief because they're not in the avoidance anymore. Yes. Yes. I'm so glad you're talking about embodiment. I, I, I feel like this is a big piece we have to be bringing in <laughs> for there to be real healing. And it, it feels just like recently a lot more people are doing the work that you're doing. And we're talking about what it means to like actually be that you got to heal it, to feel it. And how do you do that? How do you feel your feelings? And, and I'd love to know, um, why you think embodiment, I know it's important for all of us, but like particularly what value does it hold for women and their healing? Hmm. Just considering your question. Um, 
Well, yeah, I think I've spoken to how it really can support everybody's healing and, um, specifically for women. I think one of the things that I would say is we, well, first of all, I think women are more naturally in touch with their bodies and their intuitions. Um, or at least in an emotional way, you know, I mean, I think men may have that sort of at least culturally in the sense in, in the way that they can kind of inhabit their body in a, you know, sort of like maybe more in a, just, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Not a non-emotional way, but just like being in the rawness of the body. Um, but I think for women, like women are really taught to, we're, we're taught then to disconnect from our bodies and, um, in order, I mean, I think some of the conditioning that we get as girls and women is to, you know, cut off from ourselves and, and try to please others, um, you know, abandon ourselves to be with like in a relationship. I think that's another thing. Um, you know, not being a lot of girls and women are taught that, you know, their anger is not okay. And so these are all ways that I think when you can get into the body, like, anger can, anger lives in the body, you know? And so I think it can also create safety, for example, with that example, like to help a woman get into her anger in the body, it can also be a first step in getting into anger that might be towards a person. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, and I also, I just think that, I think that once we can feel really whole and sort of, um, I mean, I guess the word I would use, it's, When I talk about embodiment, I think about it as inhabiting your full body. So I think that when we can get comfortable with that, then we feel safe and secure. And then we're not, we're not like sourcing ourselves and our power and our worth outside because we can actually, because we're often, I think women are taught to do that or we we're conditioned to do that as a way of, um, you know, as a, as a way of, of, creating safety and security. Like, Oh, I need these things outside of me to feel safe. Well, my experience of being in a body and my client's experience is like, Oh my God, the more I can be in this body, the more that I actually feel safe to be me. And I can feel the earth beneath me. I do a lot of practices with the earth and with the womb and with the heart and, um, and like helping women to fully inhabit their body, whether it's like their feelings or even their pleasure or their joy Um, so all of that I think creates a safety that starts from the inside out and then we're, you know, we're not, then I think then we can also, there's more of a chance of feeling safe then to go against our conditioning and some of the programming that want, that keeps us small or keeps us dependent on others. I'm not, I mean, I'm all about, obviously we're all interdependent as humans, but the kind of dependency that I think is, you know women choosing things that aren't in service of their highest good or aren't in, you know, are harmful to them in order to feel safe. So this is like another way of feeling safe. Yes. I love I love what you're saying that we like, we, the safety is inside of us. And just, mm-hmm. just a personal experience of this is like embodiment is I, a few years back, I was dating somebody and I like was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so like excited by this person. And would get so excited every time I would see him. And, and finally I was like hanging out with him. I was like, I'm not excited. I was like, I'm anxious. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this person's not right for me. Once I realized it wasn't excitement, it was actually anxiety. And, and I broke up with that person. Cause I was like, I don't, I can't relax around this person. There's something that's not right there. But I was like, wow, I was reading that so differently. And my body was trying to tell me this whole time, like this person's not a safe person to hang out with. It's just that I, I hadn't gotten my system honed quite yet. Mm-hmm. I love that example because it's such a clear example. Obviously, like I think you know, people more and more know about attachment theory, and what you're talking about is an anxious attachment system, where you know a person is they confuse kind of love for anxiety or anxiety for love, right? Which is what you're describing. Yeah. And I love example because it's it's just describing like it's so yeah, it's such a perfect example of that that the more nuance that you could get in your body. And then you realize, wait a second, I actually don't feel safe. Like you were able to actually discover that. And I don't know if it was with help or on your own, but it doesn't really matter. But to be able to know, oh, this is what the feeling is. This is where it's coming from. This is how I'm experiencing it. Oh, and I don't want to feel that anymore. 
And I think this is like exactly, I, I'm going to, I'll take this example just one step further because I think this is how, this is like, if, if we use the same example, this is how women heal from that kind of attachment system. It's by, I think, being so in touch with, wait a second, this thing is happening again. What does it mean to feel genuine love in my body? You know, and what are other examples that I have in my life of that? And what do I feel when I'm with those people? You know what I mean? And so then it's, that's part of the rewiring um, of that whole system. And I just think it happens so much more easily through the body. The mind will just go in a million stories about something constantly. You know what I mean? So it's in my experience of it, um, the mind will, it leads us astray quite a bit, but the body, you know, to get really in touch with the body and really be able to inhabit your body, it's like, oh, this is what I'm experiencing. And this is what it feels like to feel this other thing. Now I have a, you know, compass. Yes. And like, I'm like raising my hand, card carrying, anxious attachment style, like for my whole life. So it's so true. But I actually just want to tell you what it was that helped me to do that. Because it's so funny, but maybe pertinent to Mm -hmm. people out there is that I just spent my the whole weekend doing the Comrie thing. So I just gone through my whole entire closet and hugged each piece of clothing in my closet to see the way it felt in my body. And it was so hard for me. Like when I first started, I was just like really avoidant, really having a hard time feeling my feelings. But I just, I really honed it throughout the weekend of practicing. And I've been dating this guy for a few weeks. And then I hung out with him the next day. And I was like, like hanging out with him and like touching him. And I was like, Oh, it makes me feel anxious, but I wouldn't, I I really think it was hugging everything in my closet that helped me learn how to do that. Oh my God. Beautiful. I love that example. Yeah. It's like the exact thing that I just said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you're not sure where to start, you could hug all of your clothes and just see how you feel about the people in your life (laughs) afterwards. Well, okay. Really for somebody who is interested in doing this kind of healing, but feels like they don't even know where to start. Like what are the steps that you recommend to starting to address this kind of trauma and pain. And, um, and I'd also love to hear if there are any ways that you see people getting stuck while starting to do this kind of inner work. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, um, going off of the last question, I, I'm, whether you're working with a therapist or a coach, um, I'm re or, you know, some kind of healer, I'm really going to, you know, first and foremost, I'm going to always be a proponent of doing, um, you know, work that's more in the body versus the mind. Um, so choosing somebody, you know, there are lots of, there are lots of different systems out there. Actually, there's lots of different therapeutic systems that work with this, the, the body and the attachment system. Um, and there's lots of obviously different, um, trauma, you know, trauma healing modalities that also work with that. Um, And then there's just, you know, different work with the body, which can include like going into the body and beginning to be more comfortable. It can also include gesture. It can include movement and it can include touch. I don't, I don't do touch in my work. Um, but, uh, there are people who do, and that can be also quite healing. Um, and that's because, you know, like I said, these, these feelings live in the body and also our memories live in the body. And, um, and I, I think we're just to become more and more comfortable in the body. I think like, like I said before, I think this is a way for people not to get stuck is that if they can, you know, if they can begin to learn how to be more in their body and feel safe there, then, um, you know, a lot more healing will happen for them. And I would also say that, um, uh, you know, they're not going to sort of be regurgitating old patterns through the mind. Now this, I think another important, I mean, so I would always, I think I'm always going to be a proponent of working with the body. I also am very into, and this is the work that I do. I really have my own unique method of working from a lot of, for many years that is kind of my own, but it draws upon a lot of different, um, you know, somatic, even psychoanalytic, um, actually, cause I studied that, uh, therapy. So different relational therapies, somatic work and, um, trauma work. Um, but, one thing that I think I also think is extremely important is working with somebody who does have an understanding of trauma, because that's another place where I think people can get stuck. Um, is, you know, like I was describing before. So I, I mean, I'll just 
I'll just briefly say it again, you know, that the nervous system can either, the nervous system, one's nervous system can be highly dysregulated and it can shut down when you start to enter into these places. Um, and, you know, beneath avoidance for some people, like I said before, there can also be a very um, kind of unstable nervous system. And so I think working with somebody who understands how to help you help whoever the person is to regulate their nervous system so that they're actually going into their direct felt experience and able to relive through things, able to feel things that are very challenging, able to look at, you know, certain um, shadows in themselves, which we haven't talked a ton about in this call, but, you know, places where maybe that are hard to look at, but also they're able to do it in a, in a way that feels um, where they're not getting like, they're not feeling overwhelmed. Um, you know, there's a, there's a point of overwhelm and I think each person is different. There's a point of, obviously it's, these feelings can be painful to feel. So I'm not talking about not feeling, but I'm talking about when it gets to the point where it's like, you know, someone's kind of falling into a hole or in between the time that we work together, let's say like this, this, you know, can happen for people. They're really not able to kind of be with themselves. They're feeling like very, very overwhelmed. So that's the kind of thing that I'm always really paying attention to um, when I'm working with somebody. Does that answer the question? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, what I really heard in there was like having people to help hold the space with us who like know the terrain a yeah. little bit. It's really important. Yeah, and, and I, one thing I will add, because I haven't talked about it so much, like I, because I understand the psyche so well in my years of being a therapist, it's not that I'm not working with people also through their mind. And I'm, I'm a very direct person, so I will name what I see. Um, you know, obviously I'm tracking how much this, how sort of open the person is and what they can take in. And I think every good practitioner is doing that, right? Like it's kind of like riding that edge of, I want to show you something that maybe is a little bit hard to see, but you're ready for it, you know, and actually we're going to then be able to go deeper. Um, but I just want to name that as another thing. So it's not like I, you know, at least for me in my work, I think one of the um, the feedback I've gotten over the years is like I can be so direct and go straight to the core of what's happening, either through the body or even by naming it, you know, naming, well, I think that this is coming from, you know, this like self-sufficiency, you know, whatever, this pattern you developed as a child, um, like, you know, that's something that I also am employing quite a bit um, because it like the, the feedback I've gotten over the years is like, oh, you go straight to it. And so then I'm not having to, you know, we're actually getting to the root of it much quicker. Yeah. So I just wanted to speak to that because there is a mind component. It's not just through the body. Of course. Yeah. I mean, and it all connects together too. Yeah. Once, once we're there, it's just, I think our inner culture that we've like really um, divorced ourselves so much from our physical experience because of like avoidance of trauma and numbing and the different ways that we do that. And so I think it is pretty revolutionary to be like, no, we got to get back in there again. Like what the work that you do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for saying that. I think that that's really what that that's why. And I also, I personally don't believe, yeah, I believe that like exactly what you're saying. I think that we've been so mind dominated and that goes back to even the question about women. Like that's a very patriarchal way. Right. And it's a Cartesian dualism, like the mind and the body are split like that kind of, that's what we've, sort of internalized and, you know, his part of the culture. Um, yeah. And I, and, um, what was I going to say? Yeah. I think it's about being able to use the mind in service for our, our growth and in service for our healing and not have it be like overactive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we have a lot of overactive brains in our, our current society and culture right now. Yeah, yeah. You've mentioned a few times about how within the darkness that that's also where our purpose and our, our passion is. Can you speak a little bit more about what that means? Mm-hmm. Well, so on kind of like a, like on a, this isn't exactly superficial, but on like one level of it, I would say this, it's not superficial at all. That was not the right word. But on one level, what I would say is, um, I think that some of the challenges, I think all the challenges and struggles that we go through as humans 
they can really be the fuel for the kind of work that we do in the world and the kind of service that we provide. And I think you probably have that experience. Um, I haven't, I don't, we didn't, I haven't talked to you about this, so maybe you can tell me, but you know, that probably I would guess that you're into self care because of what it, you know, kind of like what, how you grew up and then the point at which, you know, whatever your healing was into self care, right. Led you to then be, um, you know, want to support others in that way. So sort of, yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, no, you're just, you're hitting it. Yeah, it was, I think I learned the most about self-care by growing up in a family where self-care wasn't practiced very much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I know part of your definition of self-care is like radical compassion and it's slowing down and it's, you know, it's not a self-improvement project, right? So I guess that you kind of grew up in a, in more of like, you know, you accomplish all these things and then you're good and worthy and happy, right? And then that wasn't necessarily what was true. Yeah, um, yeah. It was so much about perfectionism that I really thought that if I could just do it all perfectly, that I could, you know, change the situation that I was in. And that yeah. was valuable in my life and my development until it was absolutely not valuable anymore. And I needed to go deeper than that. So yes, that's been my journey. And, and yeah, I really feel like what you were saying before it just sort of naturally the impulse to help others can come out of that but that's really been my yeah. path yeah. too yeah yeah and then I would say you know um like so everybody has a different a very different journey um you know I always like to joke that like so I have been on quite a healing journey for basically my whole life I mean I, I basically sort of didn't even have my our nervous systems develop when we're you know in infancy and I basically never had a regulated nervous system because of the environment that I was in and you know the, the being that I was um, and I really struggled from like quite a young age um, and so I, I like to joke that like I took the the long like I had also had a lot of resistance to like I was always healing as an adult but I was also very resistant um, like wanting it to be done not wanting to have to feel this and all of that and so I, there's so much I could say about my own journey, but I look back on the journey and I'm like, oh, I took the, the long road so that I could really support others in doing it much more quickly than me. Um, and I had a little bit of a, I think as a being, I had a, as a human, I had a, a harder lot because I really, I, I don't, I had very little joy. <laughs> I don't, I didn't come into the world. Um, I came into the world with, you know, from the beginning, it was challenging. Um, but I think that, you know, it's, it's, uh, so there's that level of it. And I would also say that, you know, I, another thing that I teach, which is how, would be another way of answering this question around, you know, the, how the darkness and the shadow can really kind of, in, you know, impact who you are kind of powerfully and impact, um, you know, well, we've already addressed, I guess, the purpose piece, but it's sort of what I said before is that I think the more that you actually feel safe to go into the darkness and the shadow and to face yourself and you can do that without shame or without, you know, feeling self-hatred or all these other things that come up for, I think, most people, or you can process, at this point, I can process shame in my body. So I actually can experience old shame and it doesn't have to kind of annihilate me. Um, so that's another thing I do. That's a more advanced practice. Like with more, with people who've been at this longer, I do, you know, we're, we're really processing every single emotion that you could possibly imagine. Um, but I think that, you know, that makes you, in my experience with myself and with my clients, that makes one more powerful because then I'm not needing to, you know, if I can show up for whatever life throws me and whatever I feel, then I'm not having to shut any part of myself down. And I'm also, that is true power to me. Like Mm -hmm. then I'm powerful. Um, Obviously we also need help. I'm not saying that we don't need help, but I think even being able to know, right? Like, oh, I need help right now. And oh, I can ask for that in a, a very mature adult way because I'm not completely like overwhelmed with what's happening right now. Um, so that's another way. That's, that's the thing I feel, I feel really passionate about teaching women how to, this is probably like my biggest passion is, um, 
really teaching women how to kind of, that's what I would say is claiming your own sovereignty because I feel like you can, we then can make, we then can choose our life from a place of choice because we're not choosing from a place of safety and security that's outside or a place of like sourcing our well-being outside. We're truly choosing from feeling like I can, I can be with anything and I can be with my truth. And my truth is, is that, Oh, I don't want to be in this relationship. I'd actually rather be alone and wait, you know, whereas I think some women might not feel that way because it feels so annihilating to be alone. You know what I mean? So that's another example of that. I'm like nodding aloud as you're saying all of this. Yes, it feels so true. <laughs> and um, it, for some reason, when you're talking the the Pema Chodron book title, The Wisdom of No Escape keeps coming into my mind. It's like, oh, yeah. That's just, a good one. Yeah, but that title is like, all right, like this idea of um, let's address all these places that we try to escape and try to not be ourselves or avoid ourselves. <laughs> and then once we address them all, then we don't need to escape anymore. We're just like here with it, with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've heard so much of this already, uh, but I really love to know how you see how your individual work influences the greater societal and cultural suffering that we are aware of in the world. And as I say that, I know there's a lot of joy in the world and beauty and I feel all that. And I also just feel like there are these like big wounds that I see that was like, yes. so I'd love to hear how, how do you think that what you have to offer could change culture? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, well, we can start with what I just answered, right? Like just the, the crux of, of that, that women, feeling safe and secure in their own selves and their own beings and being in their own truth and being able to come from a place of choice. Um, to me that feels revolutionary, you know, sourcing their own wisdom, their own power, their own wholeness and worthiness from within. Um, I just think that, you know, you have women doing that and then you have women who are in their power Um, living lives that they feel really on fire about and uh, offering, you know, like offering their true purpose in the world or the thing that like really they feel really good about. And that often I think when when all of us heal, but we'll stick with women right now, you know, then like this is exactly what you were saying, what what we've talked about around self-care as well. It's like, the more that you have that in your life, the more that you heal, the more that you are taking care of yourself, the more energy and power you have to serve life and to serve others. And I think that that's when we have those, you know, creative ideas of like, oh, I want to, you know, I could work with women who are like, I want to start an organization that's working with, you know, um, girls in Nepal, or I want to, you know, just like the far reaching effects on that level, on a societal level, I think, or on a global level is huge. Um, and the other thing I haven't really talked about, the, the, other, the other way I'd answer this question, which is a big part of my work, but it's a little, it's not, you know, not everybody, not everybody that I work with really um, may get this or align to it, but I really believe that as we do our individual work, like if, you know, if a woman is processing shame, for example, um, the shame of, you know, sort of 10,000 years of patriarchy of, you know, the pattern of, because this has been the pattern with women and men in in our history, you know, use me, um, then I'll feel like, then I'll, or, then I'll feel wanted, then I'll feel safe. So let's say a woman is really processing that kind of core shame and it's been in her family, it's what she learned, but it's also in the lineage. So she's also processing it there. I believe that that has an, an, an effect on like every woman. So, you know, and this is true of, I, I believe this with anything that we are processing on a really deep level that, you know, and there, there's obviously, I mean, what I'm saying obviously can even be proven to some degree scientifically because we all impact each other, you know, the morphogen, morphogenetic field and, you know, there's this larger current that's happening. Um, and so that, I believe that that's happening. And then, you know, we could take that back to like, right, like that's happening. We can see that in our individual lives because, right, if you're, 
we can see it as we walk out the door and, oh, I'm feeling good and I'm feeling in my power. And so now I'm, you know, like I'm brightening up this other person's day. But I just, I believe that as we process it and the work that I do with women, it, it has a far reaching effects and changes the fabric for everyone. I believe that too. Yeah. That's also beautiful in that, that we're way more connected than we even know. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh. Thank you for sharing that. I, I like asking that question in interviews because I'm like, give me your big world vision. <laughs> and everyone's are always so awesome. So I really, thanks for sharing that. And I, I think the work that you're doing is so important. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. So I always, I always end each interview with the same question. And we've talked about it a lot, but I want to know right now, kind of cohesive-ish statement of what is mm-hmm. your definition of self-care? Well, I would say that my definition of self-care is radical compassion and opening to all of that is and like radically caring about, you know, your own body and your own being. And then, you know, by doing that, we're radically caring for all beings. And I want to actually thank you because I think your work on self-care, um, you know, and being able to interview you and learn more about your work and look at your book and whatnot has really actually revolutionized and transformed my idea of self-care. So even the definition I just said, you know, it's coming out of this conversation, but it's also really coming out of the work that you're doing. And I feel like I will, I'm like forever changed in the way that I, the way that I will, you know, move, moving forward, talk about it with clients it feels like it's so much more cohesive and I think it's going to make so much more sense for people because it's, it's part of the whole, you know, it's not just like, Oh, I'm, Oh, this is how you practice self-care by taking a bath or by playing the guitar. It's like, this is a whole way of being that I think is much easier for people to get behind. Um, even if it's hard to, you know, let go of the kind of self-improvement project that a lot of people have. Yeah, totally. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, it's hard for me to let go of the self-improvement project, too. It's part of it. Um, and what I found with self-care is it's like, it's, I talked to this Ayurvedic doctor once, and he said, you know, we never can subtract from Ayurveda, but you can always add to it. And I feel like it's self-care and, you know, and the work that you do, too, around the darkness and the shadow it's like we can just always add to the definition of it. And every time we have a conversation or we connect in, in a mindful way, I think that we're just expanding the definition of what self-care means. So thanks for expanding alongside me here. Mm, yeah, yeah, beautiful. I love the co-creation that was created in this, you know, between us. Yeah, yeah. So Laurie, how can listeners stay in touch with your work, learn more about what you do, book a session with you, all of that? Yeah, great. Well, so um, I would say the kind of hot off the press stuff that happens, actually, I post a lot on Facebook um, and I write different articles and I also just write, you know, um, different memes and all, all kinds of content on there. So that's one way of staying in touch with me. And my Facebook page is called Lori Beth. Um, and then I also have a, and you can, you can, um, whether you're friends with me there or not, you can actually leave me a message on Messenger if you want to get in touch with me in any way. I also have a website that's www.lauriebethgoldman.com. I have a blog on there which has many different articles, um, some of which, I mean, basically every, you know, I've probably first posted on Facebook, um, but that, that's where there's a collection of them over time. And um, that's also where you can... Uh, read more about my work and also um, book. I mean, you can book a session with me either over messenger or on my website. And right now I do, I do do groups. Um, and, but right now I'm actually only doing one-on-one work. Um, and I usually do three to six or nine month um, containers. And I call them kind of mentorship programs because we're really going into the depths together um, so that's the work that I'm doing currently and, uh, you know, basically centered around everything that I've talked about today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. And I will put links to um, all of your website and your Facebook in the show notes for this episode. 
and um, you can find those on selfcarewithgracie.com. Also, you have a, a, a Facebook Live that you do every week, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. which I got to be a guest on. We recorded that yesterday, and this is the continuity of that conversation today. And it's called Exploring Genuine Transformation. Did I get the name right? Yeah, I can say like a little bit more about it if you want. Um, so it's a live show, and then I usually put the, the all of them on YouTube. Um, and it's an interview series that's Exploring Genuine Transformation, which to me means... It's, I'm interviewing coaches and healers and thought leaders um, all on a range of topics. Um, it can be anywhere from like empowered relationships to self-care to, um, you know, uh, I think the last one was the, the radical truth of feminine power. And that was like a, um, I was interviewing somebody who's a, who's kind of a, a feminine spiritual teacher. Um, but basically transformation for the sake of having more of yourself, for the sake of, you know, being more you, for the sake of freedom, for the sake of um, awakening versus transformation for the sake of getting what you want in life, like getting the next relationship or the job or whatever. Those might be a natural byproduct. But what the show is, is it's really about looking at how can we kind of how can we truly live and what's the transformational path to that? Yes. Thank you for mm -hmm. that. And um, we'll put a link when it's ready to the conversation that Lori and I had um, in the show notes mm -hmm. as well. So people can check out that conversation and other ones that you have in the future. So thank you again. And thank you to everyone who is listening and just, you know, take a moment. We talked about trauma. Sometimes addressing trauma can be traumatic in and of itself. So like breathe, just check in with your body, see how things are going. If you do feel drawn to do more of this work, even though part of you wants to avoid it, you're totally not alone in that. <laughs> but I, I really love what Lori said about getting somebody to help you through that, not overwhelming and already overwhelmed nervous system and, um, and just really bring in the body into it as well. So, yeah, let me, I, if it's okay for me to just add, I love what you said because I, I often say exactly what you just said and I didn't in this interview, which is that it's so normal to want to run from, you know, even thinking about trauma or thinking about our old wounds. And, you know, I always say that to people as well. So thank you for saying that and also helping people to ground um, after this call. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone. Keep taking care of yourselves and we'll connect soon. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons, I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. And remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place. Mm -hmm.